the Christmas promise. The Christmas promise. When I hear these words, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, well, when you hear those words, then you automatically know that it's that time of the year again, do you not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just such a powerful uh, Christmas song that was written in, back in 1945. But I believe that this classic Christmas song, it does capture for us very perfectly all of the anticipation that not only as young people, but all of us, that we can have because this really is a special time of the year for all of us. Yeah. Now let me go a little further here. Now you remember some of the words, well, you don't have to admit to it if you want, some of the words to this song. And it says, tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He has loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. So everywhere we go, we hear the story of Santa Claus and reindeer and, and sleighs full of toys. And, and you can just even almost smell and taste the anticipation and the expectation of what is to come. You know, it's amazing now because of technology and, you know, you drive through your neighborhoods and you see, you know, reindeer lit up at night with the sleigh and Santa on people's roofs. And, you know, you see all kinds of really wonderful Christmas decorations and all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But this really is a wonderful time of the year for all of us. Mm -hmm. When we were younger, if you remember that uh, the question you kept asking was, will Christmas ever get here? I'm probably the only one. I mean, you guys, you, you, you didn't, you know. Uh -huh. But now, down through the years, because now I'm a little more mature than I was just a few years ago, it becomes, is Christmas here already? I mean, because now we're parents, right? And we're grandparents, and, and it takes on a whole different meaning. It takes on a whole different persona, and our responsibilities with that has changed. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to hit my mark here on time this morning, so just be comfortable here now. All right. But there was that same anticipation and that same expectation, uh, at least on the part of some, for the first real Christmas that took place over 2,000 years ago. Just imagine, if you will, imagine what it, what, it, what it must have been like when every Jewish mother's child was told the story that was even more wonderful and even more awe-inspiring than the stories that we were told about Santa. Just, just, just think about all of that. And I, I love uh, the Jewish people and, uh, because their history is so rich. You know, and it just means so much, and it really is awe-inspiring. Right. 
But here now that we are in the word of God and in, 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 in the story that the Jewish mothers and the Jewish families and the priests that they passed down to their children, it's a story that began with a promise and a prophecy. Promise and a prophecy. And what we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we, uh, it says, and I will read that for you, but you can write this scripture down. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 of the King James Bible. And, it, uh, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So for thousands of years, Children of Jewish homes were taught that one day God would send a Messiah and he would be a deliverer. It would be someone who would rule not just over them, but rule over the entire world. Wow. They even celebrated. They had feasts and holidays to keep this in the minds of all of the people and to keep their expectation and anticipation level up. But you see, that became part of the problem when you read on and you think about that. Because year after year and de decade after decade, century after century and millennia after millennia, there had been this anticipation and this earnest expectation that the Messiah would come. And even amongst the Jewish people, the question would be asked, would this be the year? Would this be the month? Would this be the week? The day when the Messiah would come. Is it now? And so generations came and, and generations went, and yet there was no Messiah. And for thousands of years, the Jewish people had been waiting and waiting and waiting, but still no baby. You know, I've experienced that on this week, uh, that one of the hardest places to be in life is in a waiting room and knowing and wondering what the doctor's going to say and not knowing if the successful, uh, if the operation would be successful and not knowing whether or not you're going to get that job and not knowing whether you will ever meet someone that you can spend the rest of your life with. But Christmas... Christmas begins with a promise that was made almost at the very beginning of time when God said, but it continued with the expectation and the anticipation that that promise would be kept and that the prophecies that God sent to those great prophets, people of God, men of God, that the prophecy would be fulfilled. And let me just say this, Every word that God has spoken to you, every word that he's placed in your spirit, every prophetic word, it will come to pass, people of God. So this then, in effect, is a, and even in those times when all of us need God to come through. Now, you can kind of say, well, I never need God to come through. I don't, I don't wait in any of those things because he always comes through. But we, God came through for us on this morning, did he not? Family, people of God, he came through. Hallelujah. And he showed up and that right early. 
So today we are going to read two stories in the Gospel of Luke where he is going to tell us two stories. One of a really old man and one of a really young girl who are proofs that God always shows up on time. God always keeps his promises. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, excuse me. And God knows exactly what he is doing at all times. Hallelujah. He's never confused. He's never in a quandary. He's not any of those things. He is all, he always knows exactly what he's doing. So here we are. Let's turn to Luke chapter one. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And as you're turning there, for all of us who find ourselves today in great earnest expectation. This is a reminder here, and, 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 and I'm going to give you a key, and, and, and I want you to, 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 to just remember this. Here's the key. Here's a key takeaway for you right now, if you will. Just believe God and trust God, because again, God is never late. Never late. So it's up to you to keep your expectation level up on high alert. Why do I say that? Because God is moving. I can remember when we used to get the report, you know, 10,000 of you ain't even been spotted in the area, and it's only a handful of us out there. Keep your expect. You better believe we kept our expectation level up. Say, well, you know, if this is the day, if it's my day, come and get me. But Lord, every day is your day. So we can say that to all of the blessings and all of the plans and things that the Lord has provided for us from the foundation of the world for this one. You say, here I am, blessings. Here I am, plans and purposes. Come and get me. I'm right here. Glory be to God. Keep it on high alert again, people of God, because God is moving. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1 here, verse 5 in the King James Version. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Again, that's Luke chapter one, verse five. So now, had you been reading this verse some 2,000 and plus years ago, you would probably have been immediately saddened by these words when Luke said, in the time of Herod. Let me give you an example of that. That would almost be like saying uh, uh, today in Germany in the 1940s, and you, you know your history and what was happening in Germany in the 1940s, or perhaps even in Russia in the 1950s. Herod was the Roman king uh, installed by Caesar Augustus, the emperor, and all of Israel was under the dominating rule of the Roman Empire. And the whole landscape there, the, was, it was very depressing for all of the Jewish people. But what was even worse th than that was that for 400 years, for 400 years, from the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi, chapter 4, verse 6, God had gone silent. Think about it. For 400 years, not a single prophet spoke a word from the Lord. 
Not a single miracle was seen by the hand of God. And even the angels of God even quit showing up. Total silence in the earth from God. From the throne room of God. Back in the Old Testament, and the Jewish people knew their history. They were well versed in their history. And they realized that the glory days of David and Solomon were now just a distant memory for all of them. The nation of Israel had changed hands 25 times and they had become whipping boys for the Assyrians, for the Babylonians, for the Persians and the Greeks. And many people had just, of the Jewish nation had just given up on God. They felt that either God had forgotten his promise or God had forsaken them as their people. Hallelujah. But there was this precious couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we read some words of high praise about them here in Luke chapter 1. Let's look in verse 6. Verse 6. And the Bible says, and they were both righteous before God, meaning both Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous before God walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless. In other words, the Bible says that they were good people, that they were godly people. And by today's standards, they would have been considered great people of great character. And in my estimation, you just don't get any better than being called righteous and blameless. So unlike many of their friends and their neighbors, they still believe God for his promise of the Messiah and that Messiah would come to them. In yes. both Zechariah and Elizabeth, they both held out hope against hope that God was not finished yet. One thing I want to tell you folks today is that God is not finished yet. Verse 7, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. In other words, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very, not old, but very old. There was one blot and one blemish on the record of their life, and that was that Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children. So you have to understand that even back then in that day, if a woman didn't have a child, she was considered cursed by God. And many people in their communities, they believed that she was barren because of something that was wrong with her. Unfortunately, Back in that day, women were always the ones that were blamed if there were no children, even though their lives were filled with holiness and their souls were filled with goodness. The woman always got the blame. So this beautiful couple here now, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were devoted, but they were discouraged. 
Sometimes the enemy, although you are devoted and you are faithful when it comes to the things of God, sometimes when you are not aware that God is moving behind the scenes and you don't see his visible, tangible hand moving in your life, even sometimes people of God get discouraged. But I told you just a little while ago that God is always moving. Now we go on to read that Zechariah was faithfully fulfilling his duties as a priest. He was a priest. And he was given the duty twice a year to go into the temple and to burn incense. And while he was in the temple serving the Lord, let's go a little further and read what happened. Verse 11. Verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I just want you to just take that in for a minute, because I don't want you to miss the significance of this verse right here. Don't miss it, don't miss it. Now remember, heaven had gone silent for 400 years. There was not a word from God and not a work from God and not a witness from God for 400 years. More and more people were saying God is dead. He's gone on vacation. He turned his cell phone off. He's gone silent. They were saying that the dream had died. God's promise is empty. To the least likely of people in the least likely of places, at the least likely of times, this angel of God shows up to make an announcement and to set a chain reaction that would change the world forever. I love it when God shows up. Hallelujah. Because you know something super abundantly, supernatural, exceeding above and over beyond your expectation is going to take place. That's why we're saying it more now and now. Keep your necks outstretched. Expect God to do what he said he would do for you in his word. Hallelujah. So here's the point then, people of God. And I don't want you to miss this point. The last thing that anybody expected to happen, especially this priest, this man of God, Zechariah, was for an angel of God to show up and to not just speak, but to tell him of something that was about to happen that even he and his wife had long ago felt was absolutely impossible from a physiological and a human standpoint and viewpoint. Take all that in. God tells you something, and everybody around you says, you must be crazy. The Lord didn't tell you nothing like that. Who in the world, what in the world, just who do you think, how in the world are you going to believe God, huh? You don't have a, you don't have a, uh, you know, a container, you know, to put water in and you don't have a window to throw it out. How in the world you expect God is going to do what you're telling me? He told you, he said he was going to do for you. But let me, let me remind you that God is not bound either by physical principles or human perspective. Ah, I tried to preach to you this morning. And even though Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting for this child, just like Israel had been waiting for the Messiah, 
They are all about to learn a lesson that God is always moving. Yeah, that is a lesson that is even appropriate for us today. God is always moving because God is never idle. He never takes a break. Again, he never goes on vacation and he is always moving in your life even when you don't know it. Hallelujah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write this point down. Here, write this point down. All right. Just keep working. Keep working. And God is listening. He's listening. He's listening. Now, Elizabeth and Zechariah had been praying for a long time for a child. And we are told repeatedly that they were well advanced in years and they were very old. So if you read this in the, in the Greek language, if you're a Greek scholar and you read this it's scripture in the, in, in the Greek language, it gives an indication that they were somewhere around 90 years old. So if they had married in their early teens, and most people did in that day, they had been praying somewhere in the vicinity of 60 to 70 years for this child, and yet there was no child. Now, Zechariah could have done what uh, a lot of ministers have done. He could have quit the ministry. He could have, he could have said, well, look, I've been serving the Lord since a long time, and I'm... I'm really, really tired about now and I have not seen the manifestation of what God said he was going to do. He could have said, why serve God? What good does it do to be righteous and holy and to fulfill my calling if God is not going to answer my prayer? What good is living for him anyway? You see, that would not have been unusual. Statistics say that thousands of ministers leave the ministry for every reason. They just decided to, to get out of full-time ministry and go do something else. But you see, I give credit here to all of us who are serving the Lord, all of you great men and women of God, people of God. Pastor Dory uh, said it so eloquently on this morning. Just we give credit to you and we're so appreciative of all of you for your service, for your faithfulness and your willingness and your desire to want to be of service to the Lord. So I give credit also now, let me take it a little further to this couple, especially Zechariah. Even though it appeared that God had just flat out said no to his request for a child, he was still working and he was still praying. Just keep working and, and, and just keep praying, people of God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Then the angel says this to Zechariah. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy what? Prayer is what? Heard. Don't fret. Don't fear. Don't have any anxiety or any concerns, people of God, because your prayers have been heard. And this is what the angel said here. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. 
Listen to these five momentous words. For thy prayer is heard. Remember how long they had been praying now. For close to seven decades. And now this angel shows up telling them every word that they had prayed and said was heard. Have you ever prayed and it seems like heaven is covered with a steel curtain? You get to thinking your words are just like rubber balls bouncing off concrete walls. Have you ever prayed and it seemed as if you were talking to yourself or just talking to a wall? Remember this, and I told you to write it down because I don't want you to forget it. Remember this, God is listening and God hears prayer. Just a few weeks ago, uh, Sister Jolene uh, was giving testimony in a praise report, and she said one of those, you know, the clients, one of the patients there, you know, at a place of employment uh, who you would least uh, expect these words to come from, God is watching. So he's watching. See, I got you in there, Sister Jolene. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, he's, and he's listening. He hears. Has anybody ever posed this question to you? And it, it, here's the question. If a tree falls in a forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, to me, I think that answer is real easy. It's an easy answer. It does make a sound because God hears everything. He is everything. Verse 13 again. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, verse 16, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now just think about it, if, if Zechariah had quit, it would have been a different story. Verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, talking about Jesus, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people, what? Prepared for the Lord. Mm. God didn't just answer their prayer. He didn't just give them what they asked for. He gave them something even better than what they had asked for. Hallelujah. He said their son would be filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. He would never know a day when he would not have the Spirit of God within him. Hallelujah. Talking about Christ. So all those years of sadness would be replaced with gladness that they could never ever manufacture and that that baby will turn many in Israel back to the Lord, talking about Jesus. Don't give up on God, people, because God will never ever give up on you. 
Israel had turned their back on God because they thought God had turned his back on them. God not only never turns his back on us, but he is forever working and listening to bring us back to him in times when we may doubt him and even disbelieve him. Yes. So how did Zechariah respond to all of this going on? Look at verse 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am old and my wife well stricken in years. How can I be sure of what you're telling me? He says, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years, he says. Now, people of God, just, just, just think about this. Think about this for just a minute. Here is an angel of God telling this man of God that he's going to have a baby and he still doesn't believe it. Are you listening to me, people of God? Yes. I want you to take note. Take note here. Now, Zechariah was a righteous man, yes. but he wasn't very smart. He says, I'm old, but, and my wife is well along in years. In other words, he's saying, I'm old, but I still think I'm up to it. But my wife is so old that Moses is in her high school yearbook. That's almost like Adam when he was talking to God, but like that woman you gave me. Now, 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 his old Zacharias. Look, I'm gay, I'm up for it, you know. But this woman you gave me, she old and I um. brothers and sisters, I am just so thankful and so glad that Elizabeth was not in the room to hear that statement coming from her husband. Now, there really is a lesson here. There's a lesson here. Brothers, gentlemen, when you are either talking to your wife or about your wife, be as wise as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. It was during the season for gaining weight and after Christmas. And a wife had put on a brand new dress and looked at her husband. And she asked a question that could bring instant death. She said, honey, do I look fat in this dress? And the husband thought for a moment. Pointed at his shirt and he said, Do I look stupid in this shirt? <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Brothers. One of the principles in marriage is this it is better to live lying than to die honest. I'm just kidding about that. But here's the truth, though. It's never good policy to lie to your spouse or anybody else. But Zechariah does have a point here. He said, look, the ground is no longer fertile. The seed is no longer fresh. The farmer is no longer full of energy. Yet you are going to tell me 
that we can still expect a crop? Yes, you can. If that's what God said in his word, you can expect that. And he will even exceed your expectations. Now listen to the angel's response to what Zechariah said here. I'm reading uh, verses 19 and 20. And I'm reading this in the Amplified Version. You can read along with me if you don't have that in the Amplified Classic. And the angel replied to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God and I have been sent to talk to you and to bring you this good news. <laughs> now behold, you will be and will continue to be silent and not able to speak till the day when these things take place. Because you have not believed what I told you, but my words are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. This angel of God, he calls a technical on Zechariah. He puts him on a timeout, shuts his mouth until the day that this little baby is born. Now listen to the last words that he said. Which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. That's what the angel said. You see, God had marked that day on his calendar before Elizabeth and Zechariah were ever born. God has plans and purposes. That he is marked on, his on the calendar of your life even before you were ever born, people of God. God had been listening to every prayer. He heard every word and he had been moving in the events of the world and even in the hearts of the rulers in power at that time to bring Zechariah and Elizabeth and Israel to this very point in time. I want you to stick a pin in that and, and never forget it. God does not always do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. But when he does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, it is what we would have wanted all along. Do you want me, want me to say it to you again? Everybody's all right, huh? All right, all right, hallelujah. And now all of this is just a warm-up, people of God. So this baby, John the Baptist, is going to have the major function of being the forerunner of the Messiah that was promised thousands of years ago. It was God's plan all along. God fulfills his plan by keeping his promises. Glory be to God. God's plan for the world and for my life and for your life is that us to keep his promise, to send his Savior twice. Twice, not once, but twice into the earth. Once to redeem us, and that has already taken place. And once to rule over us, which will take place in the future. Now, there is one other person that still needs to be considered in this story. That gives us something else to remember when we are in waiting and in earnest expectation of what God will do. Point number three. Keep watching. Keep watching. Because God is coming. Have you ever driven by uh, uh, 
a construction site and, 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 and you see the sign up, you know, keep watching. This is coming or that's coming in. You just build that anticipation and that excitement and you just can't wait to see what the end result is going to be. Just keep watching. Be prayerful because God is coming, people of God. So here we are now, six months after the angel's conversation with Zechariah takes place. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth was a town in Galilee to a virgin that was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. This virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. You who are highly excited, here it is, people of God. Gabriel, God's angel, is back in the earth again. And I would have loved to have had his frequent flyer miles. He must have been triple diamond, double platinum, 24 karat gold elite. And I'm sure he always flew first class as well. But there is one thing you can know, people of God, that if an angel ever shows up and talks to you, it's going to be a good day. And if you get Gabriel, then it's going to be a really good day, people of God. Hallelujah. Look here in verse 30 through verse 33. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thine womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So this young girl, we got all adults in here in the room right now, do we not? Thank God. So this young girl who has never physically known a man is going to have a baby. This promise is even harder to believe than than Zechariah's promise. Here is this teenage virgin girl, a nobody from a nobody family and a nobody town, and she is over a kingdom that will never end. There hadn't been a king in Israel for 600 years. And the nation was now under the domination and of the most powerful empire in the world. And now the womb of this poor young girl was going to become a palace that will give birth to the king of all kings and the king of all the kingdoms. That is an amazing thing. So from the time that God spoke and lit the sun and hung it in the sky and created the first man and the woman from the time that that first man and woman blew it all in the Garden of Eden and rebelled against God, God had a plan to bring the Messiah into the earth. And that Mary did, here it is, what is the question? Here it is, let's look here in verse 34. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Physiologically, we don't understand how this could happen. The angel gives a theological answer, though. And this is what's his theological answer. And I'm reading it to you from the, uh, from the uh, uh, NIV version. 
And this is what Gabriel said. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So now from a medical standpoint, from a doctor's point of view, there's no explanation. But there is one explanation that should satisfy any doctor, any gynecologist, any pediatrician, and any human being. Here it is right here in verse 37, people of God. For with God, nothing is impossible. The Amplified says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That one statement is the punchline to this entire message, this entire story. That one statement is really what Christmas is all about, people of God. God can take nothing and create anything. God can take an old man and an old woman in their 90s and give them a child. God can take a virgin like Mary and give her the Messiah that the world had been waiting for. God can even take on the form of human flesh and come into the world as a man just like us. God can rise from the dead. God can forgive any sin because nothing is ever impossible with God. People of God, as I close it out here, Christmas is only exhibit A. That when you have faith, trust in, and believe God and stay in earnest expectation with an outstretched neck, no matter how long it's taken, no matter how long the wait has been, never give up. Just keep believing because God is moving. Just keep working because God is listening. Just keep watching, people of God, because God is coming. Do you know what the name Zechariah means? His name means God remembers. <sighs> That's a reminder for us. God remembers every promise that he ever makes. And God keeps every promise he makes. So then, back where we started. What if there had been Christmas music like we have today, some 2,000 plus years ago, at that first Christmas? Now, just how do you think that Christmas song would have sounded? Well, let me give you my idea. And I think the lyrics may have sounded like this. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Jesus is on his way. He is bringing God's love and grace to save the day. And every mother's child would surely spy to see if, ring, if angels, excuse me, know how to fly. Well, I want to tell you today, people of God, they do. Angels really do know how to fly. And they will show up at just the right time to let you and me and everybody else under the sound of my voice know that God is always moving. He's always listening. And at the right time, he will show up, come to you, 
and keep his promises. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events. 